This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. Chapter four. Now we're going to look at the whole chapter, so I'll just break it down into some sections, and we we're going to go for some uh, some main points here that I think are significant for us. So here we go. After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Choose twelve men from the people, one man for each tribe, and command them, command them, take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan, where the priests' feet are standing. Carry them with you, set them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the twelve men, selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them, the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. So 12 guys, uh, we know that represents the whole of Israel, but always in the Old Testament, just keep your eye open for uh, things that speak to the future, uh, the future of the church and the kingdom of God. Uh, And so 12 there represents the whole, uh, and it speaks to us of the whole, the whole body of the church. It speaks to us of that. We're not there yet in the story, of course, but it speaks to that. There's so much prophetic symbolism. Uh, if we would open our eyes to see, we don't want to make it up, but it's there, and sometimes it shouts out at us. And so it represents the whole. And I think that's really very helpful to us, because in all of this, it's the whole of the people that have crossed the Jordan. Uh, and across the Jordan, of course, is a new kingdom. And we think a lot about the kingdom. Uh, and we think about that that land which has no boundaries. It's not geographical. It's not racial. Uh, we think about that that land, that kingdom that God prepares for us in the here and now. We're not quite up to the heavenly stage yet. We're still in that uh, journey. We're not there yet. But there is a kingdom which is now uh, that speaks to the greatest kingdom that will last forever. Uh, And so it speaks of all of that. Uh, And it's the land of of, of plenty. It's the land of freedom. But it has to be gained. Uh, It it is not just stepped into lightly. Uh, And so all of this is in these stories. And they are very, very encouraging for us. So Joshua, he, he gathered together 12, 12 men and he, he told them what to do, go out and pick these, these big stones and put them on your shoulder, carry them and then put them there as a marker, a memorial to remind people. Well, what is it that they needed to remember? And I, I think this is actually a wonderful thing for us because we're not good at that kind of thing. I think Israel was. Uh, It's perhaps something that we should really think about. Uh, It's not about putting somebody's plaque on the wall, you know, somebody donated this and somebody gave that and all. It's nothing to do with that. It's 
all to do with God's doings with the people. And in the journey of life, in the journey of God's people, there are always, if you have eyes to see, significant points. And they are both individual and they are corporate. So I think we need to learn the individual uh, before we can properly understand the corporate. But we do need to learn in our own lives what are the things that I must mark. See, what happens here is in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? So they have meaning. There to be a memorial. And what was the specific at this point? Well, it's this. The Ark of the Covenant, of course, which is at the center, always at the center. We must never, ever forget that. In this journey uh, from the place slavery, bondage, into the wandering, in this long journey in which God provided all along the way, God's presence was there. But then there's the Jordan. And at this time of the year, as we know, it was somewhat of a torrent. Uh, uh, you couldn't just paddle across. A couple of weeks ago, we went up to Vanderwater. Uh, it's great Vanderwater. Uh, we've been in the summer, uh, and there's the river. It's flowing gently. Uh, you, uh, you take your shoes off, you can walk right across. But when we went, not a chance. <laughs> no, you wouldn't do that. You couldn't even see uh, the rocks that you would step on to get across. It was flowing. Well, the Jordan was flowing. It was a torrent. So to go across the Jordan uh, from that place of wandering into the land that God was preparing for them, it was not a paddle. It wasn't about getting your feet wet. It was a torrent. It was not easily done. In fact, uh, because of the whole issue of what was taking place, it needed divine intervention. So when there is a place that we should remember, that we recognize this is God's doing, it has to be God's doing. You see, it's not based on, well, here's these, these people, they've come through. What a great achievement. They got through the Jordan. They had this wonderful leader. And all the people together, there they were. They achieved something. It's not that at all. What is happening here, it is a remembrance of God's divine purposes. And his specific plan for these people to cross over the Jordan and get in the new land. That's worth marking. But it marks in particular at this point, when they crossed over, the waters were cut off. Now, I think that's significant that it's said like that. They were cut off. It's as if because of God's divine inter intervention, they were leaving something behind. 
Now, if we as God's people in the day that we're in are to enter into the fullness of this kingdom that God has for us, that we are supposed to take hold of, and remember there are battles in it, it's not that suddenly there you are in this plenty. There are battles to fight, and we're going to come to that great battle of Jericho, and we know what happened there, and look at that. But there were many battles different kinds of battles. Battles where God does the fighting for you. Battles where actually you've got to take your own sword and be involved. And so the past is put behind. Now for some people it's difficult for them to put the past behind. But we have to do it. We have to consider that individually. Have I put the past behind? And all the pull of that all of the implications of what that past did to me. That's what we have to do. So that we are no longer defined by that past. Their past was slavery. And it was wandering. Well, that's a good past to put away, isn't it? You don't want to be in that place all the rest of your life. And so uh, there was a memorial. And they put these stones down. And they stood there for a considerable time. So that when the children ask, oh, what do these stones mean? Do you have a story to tell for others that come along? Where you can say, this is what God did. It's a memorial. It's a significant time. Now sometimes it's individual. But sometimes it's a body of people together. What did God do? Can you remember a time when God did this for the people? We should never forget these things. We should not make light of them. And they should be clearly understood for what they are, because you know how things go. History gets changed. Always. You read a history book, then later on, some bright spark has uh, revised that history for us. Well, you know, we, we were not quite aware that when this this was actually the way it was. Uh, why is that person right? Why were they wrong? I, I don't know the answer to that because that's the way history is handled. Everything is redefined. Uh, the redefinition is according to the values, if you want to call them values, of the day that you're in. Uh, the agenda of the day. The message that uh, that people want to put out there so they revise the past. Uh, and everything changes. But is it like that in your life? Because I think sometimes it is for Christians. Very strange that it should be so, but it is so. They revise the past in the light of uh, what they see as their present need or situation. But here, what a great lesson for us. They put these great big stones down so that when the children ask, tell them, this is what God did. And it's very powerful in your life. There are times in the Christian journey when God speaks significantly. And we heard his voice. And we responded. Don't take it lightly. Let it be a memorial that never, ever changes. That you see it for what it was. And it is clear. And this is what is taking place for these people here. What a great example. 
So the Israelites, they did just as Joshua had commanded them. The twelve men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan, where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. The stones are there to this day. Now, I, what this day is, I have not got a clue. I, it, it is generally accepted that Joshua wrote the history here, apart from the bit where he died, of course. Uh, and so, when was the day? It was there for a significant amount of time. It's very interesting, actually, some of the biblical things that, uh, that happened way, way back in time. Um, some of them have lasted for generations. Uh, and there's still some kind of residual mark of where things took place. But clearly, they were there. And you know what kids are like. What's that all about? What are these stones for? Well, they were for this. There's a story to be told. And we should never treat the goodness of God, his miraculous doings, lightly. Never take them for granted. It is good to tell the story again. Not every time you meet, you know, because then it loses something. But you treasure it in your heart. I remember the day when God did this. And you share it carefully. When somebody asks, they don't always ask directly, but people do ask, well, can you tell us something about what God did for you at some point? Whatever words they use. What do these stones mean to you? See, when that kind of question gets asked, you share it. This is what God did. And the power of it carries on. And it encourages people. Because they need their story as well, don't they? So Joshua, he set up his stones. And I've been thinking a little bit about this. What's the significance of that? So we've seen the whole of Israel and the representatives. There they are. They represent the whole. But always keep in mind with Joshua that he was a type of the coming Messiah. His name's the same. Yeshua. He's the same name. So he was always a type. Not everything that he did pointed to Jesus. But there are things that are woven through the story that you think of. Well, you know, in the New Testament... There are living stones, aren't they? And in the New Testament, there is Jesus. He's the one that is the bedrock. He is the one that these stones are actually linked into. And so Joshua, even though he gives the task to others, he sets the scene and the example by doing the same himself. And there are many things like that about Jesus. There was nobody else in Israel that could do what Joshua was called to do by God. Nobody else. He stood alone in that. But there were some things that he provided an example for. And so we look at Jesus and we see him as our perfect example. And we need to be linked into him.
And so if we raise a memorial, it is because he has gone the way before us. If we raise a memorial, it is because his presence is in that. The presence of God, as we know, was in this Ark of the Covenant, and that's mysterious stuff. But the presence of God was there in the people. There's no Ark of the Covenant anymore. Now, some people think they know where it is. I, I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but they do. I don't know what they'd find. I, I have no idea. It's a fancy box. But where's the presence of God? When God is with his people. When the Messiah, crucified, risen, ascended, there he is. The full nature of God. And he comes and he dwells with his people. Now that's the time to have a memorial stone, isn't it? When you know, do you remember that day? And it's not nostalgia, as if that's all done and dusted now, and there's nothing more. It, it's, it's a memorial. This is what God has done. Let's never undermine that. Let us always value, and here he is, Joshua, he sets the standard. He represents more than who he is. And then the priest carrying the ark continued standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people. In keeping with all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people hurried across, and after everyone had finished crossing, the priests with the ark of the law crossed in the sight of the people. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh went in battle formation in front of the Israelites, as Moses had instructed them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed the plains of Jericho in the Lord's presence. So they'd finished crossing, they had left things behind, and they are just about in the land. And they understand that the land is taken. Before they can inhabit it and settle, they have to take it. And in the taking of the land, they have got to deal with the opposition. They've actually got to expel those pagan tribes. And to do that, there's about 40,000 that equipped for war. They have the presence of the Lord with them specifically for that purpose. So it's something just to think about. It is not the purpose of everyone in the church uh, to be part of the 40,000. There's about 40,000. You know, this is not a specific number. It, it, 40,000, you know, in those days, that's a good army. But in terms of the whole of Israel, it, it's somewhat small. And just to ask yourself the question, does God want me to be in that? Right? Does, he, does he want me to be part of that, um, that section of the church that takes this kingdom that God has given to us and pushes the advance? It can be done in different ways. It's the declaration of the kingdom. It's, it's the seeking of God. Uh, that, that true prayer that intercedes on behalf of, that pushes the darkness back. It's just something to think about. If you know that's okay, as long as 
you are part of the whole uh, and you know your place in that. But as long as really you've left something behind, because that is what binds them all. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. They revered him throughout his life as they had revered Moses. The Lord told Joshua, command the priests who carry the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests come up from the Jordan. When the priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant came up from the middle of the Jordan and their feet stepped out on solid ground, the waters of the Jordan resumed their course, flowing over all the banks as before. The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. And then Joshua set up Gilgal, the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan, and he said to the Israelites, When your children ask their fathers in the future, what is the meaning of these stones? Same question, but something's happened. You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, so that the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. So they asked before, and it was about what was left behind. They ask again. Now they are looking at the way forward. God, he, he dried it up so you could walk through. He's the one that did it. He's opened the way. But he opens the way in order to cross over. And he opened the way so that as they cross, and there they are, they're getting ready uh, to encamp about Jericho. They don't know what's going to happen there, but there is, as they see it, some great battle ahead. They are getting ready. Uh, this is the way of this uh, new kingdom that they are entering. So they are looking forward, but they are looking forward with purpose. And the purpose that is explained here, is entering the land to settle in the land. These stones that mark that, they point forward so that all the people of the earth, that they might know that God, he's mighty. And also that you might always fear the Lord. So this is, this is the kingdom that is before us that we are to take hold of and we are to settle in. It is not just to make life good and easy for us. Now, if it is, we'll take the bounty. You know, God, God loves to give good gifts to his children. Uh, he loves to pour out of his provision, his grace. He, he loves to do that for his children. But it's not just about that. Can we really say... And this is the challenge now of the question of what's the meaning of these stones? It's not just we have put the past behind. It is that we embrace the future of God so that his name is exalted and honored. That's what we've got to do. It's the way we live our lives. It's the way that God's people as the church is the church. 
It's all in there. Do we actually demonstrate that we have left something behind? Do we demonstrate that God is with us? That God is for us? That in some way, that unless eyes are open to see, God is actually blessing, providing, giving good gifts to his children. But whatever it is that we do, as we tread the ground of the kingdom of God, it's got to be like this, that the earth might know. It's not just our own thing. It speaks out there and wider. God is great. He is a mighty and powerful God. And in all of that, as we enter this kingdom, as we grasp hold of the freedom that it offers, we don't glib about it. We don't take any of it for granted. We don't have some kind of entitlementality. We look to God, and there is a good, good fear of the Lord that is right and proper, that actually keeps us on the right path. It's in our favor. It's not about walking around scared stiff. It's about seeing God for who he is and being absolutely overwhelmed by his goodness to us that he has called us to leave behind the slavery and bondage, that we don't have to just wander around in confusion, but that we enter. And it's dry land. The path is clear. God has opened the way, and he equips us, because it still is a war in this current world. There is still darkness out there, and if we are to push back the darkness, we have to do it from this place. And Joshua was well equipped to lead the people in that. And as we go along, we'll see there's more to be done. But what a great encouragement to us. A challenge, but a blessing. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.